There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And welcome to episode 10 of No Small Questions. I am Sam Oakes, your resident question master, ready to pitch your burning questions to the wonderful stars of No Small Roles. With me tonight, I have the most elusive character on the show. Well, I would introduce him with character facts, but we have no way of knowing if any of it is actually true. Uh, Either way, we know him as Gaius, the masked bard, and his player, Chris Watts. Excited! I can't wait, these questions. I'm nervous. Yeah, there's some good ones as well. There's a lot of them, and we're going to rattle through them. Uh, But not before I introduce our next star. Uh, So also standing by to answer all of your questions, uh, such as... Oh, uh, I'm sorry, that information is restricted to higher-ranking family members. Uh, It's Enkidu, played by Daryl Bailey. Hey, (laughs) Daryl. Hey, everyone. (laughs) I mean, that was so obviously going to be in there, but I still had to put it in there anyway. Had to be. (laughs) Well, I hope you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) That information is restricted to higher ranking this, super fans. This isn't fair. He's already got an answer planned. You know, like if he doesn't like a question, he could just rattle that off. I have to ramble for days. I feel like I might have to veto that response just for tonight. When it when it's Ooh. the other podcast, it's fine. You can say that all you want. But for me, you give me the truth, okay? For the fans. <laughs> that sounded vaguely threatening. <laughs> the two characters that have the biggest round outs of any questions asked to them. You know, one who would just lie, and the other one would just be like, well, I can't reveal that. Well, this is this is why this is so tasty. I'm really hoping yeah. that we get behind that veil, uh, because we're talking to the players for once, and not their <laughs> mischievous characters. Um, speaking of our fans, uh, thank you and hello to our wonderful patrons uh, who are joining us in the chats for tonight's recording. We have a fair few of you. Uh, and thank you also to everyone who sent in their questions via social media and, of course, the No Small Roles Discord server. Uh, now, before we get into the good stuff, it is highly likely that these questions and answers will include spoilers for all episodes up to and including episode 46. So, if you haven't caught up yet, I recommend you go do that now, and we'll catch up with you later. Okay, all that being said, let's crack on with some questions and spill some Twain Tide. Let's get stuck in. And uh, we're actually going to start off with questions for the mini campaign. Uh, This was DM'd by the one and only Daryl Bailey. So, uh, first question for you, Daryl, is from Tiamat Dangerblade. 
who has asked, which side of the table do you prefer? Player or DM? You know what? I'm going to say both in equal measure. It's Ooh. weird. It's like, you think if your experience is mostly, is only been that of a player, you think the DMC is some kind of like um, high pedestal, like to kind of get towards like, oh man, that how did they do all that? <laughs> yeah. Like it's some kind of mystery magic. And there really isn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, your your role at the table is different, but like the the gap between player and DM is not that wide. Mm. And I think I like I like both. Mm. There's reasons to like both. They they're both different enough, yet similar in terms of enjoyment, but different enough in that you get um, a different you know experience from each one that you can enjoy. Yeah, it's cause it's it's still the same game. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoy both. That was a really garbled answer, but yeah, both is good. No, no, because I kind of, I kind of get what you mean because you know th- there are similarities in that everybody thinks that the DM knows what they're doing mm. at every stage of the game, and but it's it's not true because the players can do something that completely throws you, and likewise the player can be doing yeah. something and the DMs were like, uh, actually no, because uh, <laughs> I, I I think we can actually open up this question, Chris, as well. Which do you prefer, yeah. just out of interest? Because I know you've done both. Yeah, you know what? I booed at first. Um, wow. <laughs> the more you've convinced me, to be fair. No, no, you've convinced me, to be fair, because, no, you're right, because, like, players can have, like, an inherent freedom. Like, they're allowed to, like, you know, be like, okay, anything can happen. I'm comfortable in that. But whereas with a DM, because you constructed this, like, flow chart of events, for someone to say, well, anything can happen, you suddenly go, no, 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 no. It must be option A or option B. There cannot be any option C. And then when your players Mm. choose or create option C out of nothing, you you do have like, uh, I was about to say flight or fight moment, but like really like you just have to go with it. And I think like that's the fun thing about DMing is that it forces you to go with it. Um, And it forces you to be a a more active player rather than a passive player. But, you know, everyone's experience of D&D is different. So I think for me, because I love being an active player, I guess I do prefer the DM role a little bit more. Interesting. Because uh, uh. I'd, I'd say I've done quite a lot of DMing recently, but I would I would lean towards player um, just because I like being thrown into a world that I... Yeah. I don't know what's about to happen. That was what was um, mm, mm. tearing me up. I like the surprise of not knowing what's next and anticipating what comes next. Whereas as the DM, you're like, oh, I'm really excited for them to get to this thing here. And then you might plan a session where, right, you're finally at the thing I've been waiting for you to get to. And then they spend, I don't know, two hours role-playing in the pub <laughs> instead, which is just as fun. Because then as the DM, you're surprised <laughs> by what randomness they come out with. And it's fresh again. So, yeah, that's why it's hard to hard to choose. There's a campaign I'm playing at the moment where I'm DMing, and um, none of the players at my virtual table are actors at all. So, And they're not into, like, role-playing and putting voices. They just say what they're doing and just, you know, just do it. I'm like, oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Just working with the mechanics. And we picked up where we left off. I had to retcon a bit. I'm like, okay, so you're back at this campsite. Uh, what are you guys doing? And we role-played campsite actics for like an hour we didn't do any of the stuff i prepared for them <laughs> and i had to leave them with the same cliffhanger i left them with last time because they're at the campfire just just mucking about it was beautiful it was wonderful before they even did it because i didn't want to put them on the spot and say you guys are role play i'll go to acting they were just doing it it was natural so that that is a beautiful surprise i love that oh cute all right um 
Okay, so ambiguous answer. Uh, Chris, I hope you have a spot on answer for this next question. Uh, this is from Reverend Ross, uh, who has asked, has Chris listened to the Candlekeep Mysteries? That's the first question. Yes, he has. He's nodding. Uh, <laughs> I devoured it. <laughs> as did we all. And what part of the dysfunctional Dragonborn family would he cast himself in? So where, where do you reckon that you're... Where would you have slid into this this character, this family dynamic? Oh, what? Like, as in, like, another family member? Or as in, which character in the family did I enjoy, like... No, is it, I, I think I it's to? more, where would you have put yourself? So with the ones that exist, if they had another family member, who do you reckon you would have been? Oh, yeah. You know what? We're listening to it. I was just like, I would have loved to have been some like wizard old dragonborn who was just like, I've got two days to retirement. <laughs> um, like that sort of level. <laughs> One final mystery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love yeah. that. But you would you then have taken the kind of the 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 what's the word not matriarchal but the that role away from from Vicky who was kind of like the one overseeing everything but actually kind of really dysfunctionally. Well, I don't know really because when I was listening to the character creations, like she didn't really want that role initially as the matriarch. Yeah, she preferred to not do yeah. that. So I I'm very happy to have been like to have taken that on and to have played the whole because she very much took the family by the reins and was like right let's go and i think i guess my character would have fallen into like sort of the thing of like the patriarch who tries to like he acts like he's like leading the kids but when in fact the kids are leading him it's like that dad who's got like i don't know like <laughs> four kids and all the kids have got leashes on and he's going around the shops and you're like no 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 they are leading him the other way around so i you know that's how i think I would have fallen into that family yeah. sort of dynamic of just like, oh, okay, we're going over here. And oh, no, 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 no. So, yeah. Well, I, listening to that, I am now certain that you would have been the first to go into one of the paintings just by accident. Just, oh dear. Uh, <laughs> straight through the painting into somewhere else. Oh uh, yeah, I love I love playing a red shirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, uh, let's, let's have another question then. This one for Daryl uh, from Karen. What do you find to be the benefits and limitations of a pre-designed campaign? I don't really know the Wisteria Vale plot, so just wanted to know whether you changed much. Benefits are, you don't have to make up stuff like what, how strong is the monster? What monsters, what, what, what encounters? It's done for you. Brilliant. That is such a headache for me as someone who's like new to DMing. Like, how do I balance combat? Because they murder everything in two rounds. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, that, that, that's not a dig at Sam or anything, but that's everyone, everyone I've DM'd for. <laughs> like, um, they've just kind of just slaughtered big bads that I've put in front of them. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fine. It's great. More to learn. That's one benefit. Stuff like encounters, what things look like, environments, what's there, clues for the players to pick up on. There's already there's already loads um, put there for you, so you don't have to spin so many wheels of like, mm, what do they see with a perception of 42? Um, um, the fabric <laughs> of reality. Uh, but um, that's one benefit. Constraints are, um, I think it's the, it's going to have to be like the setting and plot because if there's something in there that for me that's like sparks my imagination, I would have a tendency to be like, oh, I wish I could have done that with this, or, or could have this could have been stretched out a bit further. I think all oh, the the restraints are that the story you're telling isn't 100% yours. So yeah. um, even though you might want to add something to the published adventure that is your own take, it might contradict something later down the line. Or something that's pre um, pre established, so it is it is a little bit difficult. Candlekeeper is wonderful in that the fact all the adventures are designed to be transfigured into any one campaign. Mm. 
So I had to do a lot of table setting before we jumped into the adventure. Like if and when the characters jump back, there could be, you know, room for more. Um, yeah, the benefits are things are, technical things are done for you. The constraints are like the story is not 100% yours. So you kind of have to work with what you've got and be careful not to add too much to try to make it interesting. Just trying to let go a bit. That's interesting. Actually, Do you think you would have been like, you know, less faithful to the text if, it hadn't been a recorded thing that you you might then record more of in in the future and like you say have to kind of stick to it just in case it it crops up later do you think you probably would have experimented more if it was a just your own game at home that you were picking up with a bunch of players oh right yeah yeah 100 percent. i would have i probably would have just made the whole thing up myself (laughs) if it was was just me yeah i would have just put more stuff in there um i mean don't get me wrong there's there's still plenty of stuff within the adventure that 100% my own creation and little plot hooks that I've put in. If anything, knowing how I think, it was helpful to keep the rails on so we can just just tell what's there. Just tell what's there. Pepper the little plot hooks, but don't mm. go into it too much if the players don't explore it. Because there are loads of ideas I had for the characters, which most of them, um, in the once the characters got into Wisteria Vale, weren't my creations, most of them. There was loads of ideas I had for them, like what's the relationship between... Rilia and um, Quill, like, why did that break down? I had a couple of really messed up ideas for why that broke down, but we didn't go into that. And I, th- in retrospect, I'm like, thank God, because I would have <laughs> thought of something crazy. But <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it was helpful to have those kind of guide rails there so I can keep it succinct. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I really, I genuinely cannot wait for the next instalment with the Maestani family. Uh, so yeah, let me know when that's going to happen. Okay, let's move Back to the main campaign. I mean, spoken about Candlekeep a little bit. Um, I think we need to dig into this. And do you know what? Helicopters just go straight off the bat and asks you both: Do you think the group should intr- <laughs> Do you think the group should trust Enkidu 2.0? What are your thoughts? How am I supposed to answer? <laughs> <laughs> Would you, Daryl? I'm sorry. That information is restricted ah, to higher ranking. I thought I vetoed that. Veto. Veto. <laughs> Okay, I'll ask, I'll ask Chris this one. Uh, Chris the player, do you think that the group should trust Enkidu 2.0? Oh, man, it's that, that question has gone on such a journey over these last few weeks, man, And because obviously we're a bit ahead and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I can't really give anything too much away, but like, I completely agree arguments for both sides. Like, one, he's Enkidu. He, you know, it's hard as well, like, playing with your friend and being like, well, he's being my friend. Like, you know, he, like, that's Daryl. I trust Daryl completely. But I don't trust this other guy because he's just come out of... He's a synthetic. How can you trust a synthetic? Um, we don't know how like wired he is to Erida. We don't know if at one point there's gonna be like a trigger word where suddenly he like Cold War like um what are they called sleeper agents. He could be a sleeper agent. He could just turn around and Eldridge blast me in the back of the head when it's like this close to death. All these sort of like scenarios are running through my mind and running through Guy's mind as well. Um, and you know Guy has got like huge trust um, issues already so for him to like start feeling really comfortable with this group and then start to really open up and suddenly for Enkidu um you know who's always like a rock in the group mm. um to suddenly like have that like gone is like oh like it's almost like um Enkidu has shattered and like guy is scared to cut himself on the floor you know what I mean oh. so he's like very careful where he's placing his feet he, he doesn't know and he doesn't like it 
Sorry, so, so I think for that. <laughs> so, I can't sorry, stop laughing. Chris like, said something really hot, know, and then I Sam starts cracking the chat. That's making me laugh. I'm sorry. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna copyright that. Uh, um, you know, Lego just came out with Enkidu is the Winter Soldier. He is. He, he is. is. <laughs> 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 he absolutely is and, and um, yeah so uh, gosh I just don't know I don't know if we can trust Enkidu but I want to trust Enkidu I think that speaks for all of our listeners and stuff who have gone on this journey with Enkidu that we want to trust Enkidu I don't know Sam that's the whole point of this ruddy podcast <laughs> it's David messing with me and all of us well thank you for giving it a go anyway I kind of I, I do want to ask Daryl but I feel like you've decided that saying something on this will give too much away. I mean, no, no, there wouldn't. It's, I mean, just so you know, this discussion hasn't, the characters have not discussed this. Mm. They've not co- confronted Akinu and be like, can we trust you? What is, where's the red book with the spell that activates you? Yeah. Um, no, there's, there's nothing like that. Um, but, um, oh, I don't know. I mean, for Akinu, where he's at, he, he's, he, having met Eridir, the secret that is herself. He is of the mindset that she wouldn't resort to something so small. You know, she's been mm. lying, planning for five hundred years, killing four random five four randomers who are a pebble in the ocean of scheming for the future of Dravain. Like you know, she's she has all the cards, mm. and like killing the group doesn't really affect much whether they live or die i don't think they're a threat to erida yes um yeah mm. but it's the fact that enkidu is a vehicle for her getting what she wants or needs yeah so, and i think yeah. for me that's daryl roleplay this really beautifully that like you know all the difficulty and like internal torture of this situation that's happened for, for guy for gwen for juna is nothing compared to what's going on inside Enkidu's head. Because, like, can we trust Enkidu? Enkidu is probably thinking, can I trust myself? Mm. And I guess like, it's like, actions speak louder than words, and we just have to wait and see. Okay, and I, I guess we will wait and see. Um, hopefully we'll... Well, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to be right about my suspicions, but hopefully we'll find out soon. <laughs> uh, let's move on to another question. Uh, <laughs> this one from Karen uh, is for Daryl. Uh, how long did you have to keep quiet about being a machine for? And uh, was it difficult keeping it to yourself? I think it was like a week. Okay. Really? David, you could, yeah, I think put in the chat. Because it was a week between recording of, you know, The Electric Floor. And that was the end of one episode. And we didn't record straight away. It was like a week. Um, it wasn't a week for us. It it felt like no, forever. No, of course. It was It was a long time. <laughs> um, wow. It was like a, yeah. Um, that blew my mind just now. I didn't know I was a machine for a, a while. And then I found out about the Warforged thing. And then it was another period of time before we could record again. So it was like, I would say a minimum of two weeks. I mean, not knowing what the what the heck is happening now with Nkidu. Um Yeah, that was difficult. But I think at the same time, it wasn't because I didn't know anything. So there's nothing, even if I told some people a hint of what was happening i wouldn't i, w- I wasn't giving them full information that was true because i didn't know myself <laughs> okay so so it wasn't it wasn't too long but you still felt like you had to hold some of that information oh yeah that I had to given you. that yeah was yeah that's why the the, the codex roleplay was really hard because i was like i don't i generally don't know 
That was <laughs> so fun. David was oh. full Jedi, like, feel free to not say anything. Feel free to say something. Say this phrase, if you know. And I'm like, uh, okay, cool. Um, write it down. Let me read it. Um, I, it was, it was hard. It's an amazing it really way of hard. yeah, liberating you while also caging you completely. Mm. <sighs> yeah, that's accurate. Loved, loved hearing that recording back as well to be able to hear what you were going through and how well you performed or lived that moment as well of of realizing that there were more than one of you. <laughs> Everyone's worst nightmare. Um, okay, <laughs> let's have a question. Uh, another question from Tiamat. This one for Chris. Uh, so uh, this is good actually. With Gaius's lashing out at Enkidu, was this more a passing thing, or has the situation with Enkidu meant that Guy is less trustful of him? Short answer, because I sort of touched this on the previous question, but yeah, short answer, yes. Like definitely, there's like a loss of trust there. Well, it's kind of, you've been prodding him and you did get, you know, th- there's, there's definitely been recently the, the like, how do you feel about the animals and stuff like that, the, the, the prodding. But there was a point where you, it, it, it was written here as with Gaius's lashing out at Enkidu, yeah. uh, which came quite early on when they were together. Yeah, it was a, it, it, that was definitely me just being like, just checking, just checking how, how far can we go with this? Like, is he... You know when when's when's he gonna slip? When's he gonna reveal X, Y, and Z and stuff um, about like you know? Oh, I would do that to animals all the time because guy knows Enkidu. I feel like um like he's, he he understands his like core values. Like obviously like Enkidu's like um, past is very difficult, and you know there are gaps in there. But like, we feel like we know the character of Enkidu and like forthrightness and like his honesty and his values especially. And I feel like that's something that you can't manufacture mm. do, you, do you think any answer would have actually would have satisfied him though because th- there was kind of a bit of a like okay I'll, I'll leave it there for now at the end of last time do you- i think i think that i think the the insight role that i did was i kept just asking like do i believe him do i believe him in this and that and stuff and honestly from daryl's reactions like guy was satisfied he was like okay mm. that's the right answer that's what enkidu would say so far so good very good. And Tiamat actually has another question for you, Daryl, uh, which okay. is, oh, meaty. Does Enkidu fear himself? Uh, what will he become? And does he fear that there is a possibility of programming taking control of him? And little tiny touches on this, but this is a full-on direct, how do you feel? Spicy. <laughs> um, yeah, Enkidu is like living in a constant state of fear that he's going to hurt someone or he'll remember something dangerous about himself. Like, he is, he's drawing conclusions about what happened to his friends, his inside friends in the past, and how they got inside. And also the danger of, like, you know, having, being a walking Alexa. Do you know what I mean? Like, the Jeff Bezos can turn on a button at one point and just, like, point him somewhere. Um, the fact that he's lost control of his body before, and now there's someone else who can do the same thing to him is like this it's so much to deal with um so it's not something she feels fears himself is fears how others can take advantage of what he doesn't know about himself do you know what i mean um and i think um Enkidu would love to remedy that by learning more but the people who he has to learn these things from are potentially his enemies <laughs> who yeah. have it in for him who don't have his best interests in heart because Erida clearly knows stuff about Enkidu that Enkidu doesn't know. She's pointed him in, in a direction 
to go. She's already already gone. Go here. Or you can go here. I want you to go here, but you can go that way to find out more. And this person could be as just as malevolent. So yeah, he does. In short answers, yeah, he does. He does fear fear himself, but he knows the potential. And what part of that fear is he knows potentially what he could become. Mm. Would he consider it what he has become, or what these? Because this is one thing that is incredible about Enkidu is that he's managed to maintain who he is despite having all of these voices in his head and now, you know, a codex, an entire codex that it has its own needs, its own goals in his head. Mm. And as far yeah. as we can tell so far through the codex, it's still Enkidu. He's still got that prime directive that they have supposedly given him We'd already mm. heard before that was his intention. That's what he yeah, wanted to do. Exactly, He's always yeah. had these kind of like this grand plan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do, is it that he fears what he can do or what something can do through him? The latter, and also the fact that there is more. Mm. Like, um, if you remember when, um, of course, Enkidu doesn't really need to sleep anymore. Uh, He's on the rooftop and he sees the golems in the distance and he tried to reach out to them like, can I? Interact control and Eridus goes, actually, higher ranking family members. Mm. Sorry, I'm oh gosh, level cap. Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need to level up a bit so I can use that ability. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, so it's the fact that there are more things. Ah, oh, let me rephrase this. Um, it's almost like you've unlocked a new subclass, basically, is, is what you're saying. <laughs> he's like he's been yeah, multiplied, has abilities it? and things. More again, more avenues to be taken advantage of. Um, but he just doesn't know enough, and that's that's the main that's the main weakness he has. Yeah, moment. level two scalpel hands, level three golem <laughs> army, uh, level four internet brain. Yeah. You know, just and Kiwi yeah. can break the internet with just with a first level spell slot. Exactly, and also what's <laughs> I don't know if it's an illusion of free will, but like it's. The fact that the prime directive is, like you said, Sam, is already in line with what he wanted in the first place. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So he's like, yeah, I've, I was always going to, my path is always going to lead me there. He says to Orin quite early on in the campaign, like, yeah, I'm always going to go to the throne, like get mixed up in kings and whatnot. Yeah, that's, that's always been my path. But then there's this as well. And it's like, so what does this mean now? So what does it mean to get there? Like, there's still not enough answers. So it's more like the means could be different the way that he gets to the throne could be different because of this influence yeah right and there's no there's no path there's no Arid is not giving him anything to like okay you need to talk to this lord and that lady and this wizard and they'll give you this that and that and you'll have the support to get there she just said go there and that was it she didn't give him any hints or clues so ambiguous very ambiguous which is even more frightening to be fair because mm. if she had said talk to my ally in the north here Ikiru probably wouldn't have thought I'm gonna just kill him. Yeah. See what you do, <laughs> or or mess him up. But then, no, she's not done that. Oh, it's so harsh that he's done this to you. You're already dealing with so many things going on in your head. <laughs> and now you've it's got the worst. Such a big one. It's the worst. <laughs> oh god. Um. And on this point, Han Hannah Clancy has asked. Oh, I should say, Lord Crumpet, uh, has asked you, Daryl. Do you think the characters will try and force Enkidu out of the group? Or would he rather leave voluntarily than create any further tensions? Oh, he, he silently through the night he'd leave. No, no, no. Oh, he would. He, 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 like he can't. He, 
any discussion would be an opportunity for anyone to dissuade him from doing it. And I think before things got too dangerous, before he, he became a danger to anyone else, he'd leave. I think this is like a second strike because the first time was, I'm going to keep my secret so I don't keep put these guys in danger. And then like that secret came out to hurt them. Like Alcibiades took over and almost killed Judah. Yeah. Oh. So if that was to happen again, he'd think he'd be like, no, that's it. I can't. That's it. I, I can't do it. And that's just, it. that, that again is sad because there had been moments leading up to the wing throw arc where it almost seemed like Enkidu was starting to get the edge on Alcibiades. There was, there was yeah. a, there was yeah. kind of, there was a conversation happening. There was an understanding. Enkidu was starting to understand how those inside checks work. And it's almost like you've, you've, You've taken that like baby step forward and now you're step way back up the line. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Take two steps forward, I'll take two steps back. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered um oh my gosh. My Winter Time spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, there's a similar battle in the Wheel of Time. I'm just going to take my headphones off for a second if you can take your headphones <laughs> off. No, but just like um but Men in the world weird of time have a similar struggle in that, like, they have access to certain power, but they can hear voices in their heads. But whether that voice is a natural, trying to be gentle here, a natural person or the corruption of what they've been given is a battle throughout the whole thing, mm. which is just remind me of, mm. which is interesting. But Enkid has been battling with that since the beginning. I mean, it's it's going to be so interesting seeing where this leads and how how much of your own decisions David is able to kind of like you know twist and and make it that it was an agenda. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes. So please don't walk out in the middle of the night. Oh. Promise me here and now. I want to pinky swear that <laughs> you won't leave the podcast in the middle of the night. I'm sorry, that function is restricted to higher ranking family members. <laughs> Fine. Uh, well, let's have another question for you, Daryl. This one's from uh, The Singing Lights. Uh, so we talked about your fears about Erida. What's your worst fear about Alcibiades getting out? Uh, what are you afraid he might do? Ooh. Ow! That's a good question. The thing is, Alcibiades isn't like... Isn't so much like, oh, he's a big, scary guy with a big sword. He's good at killing people. He knows some shit. <laughs> He knows something. He's loyal to something. Mm. And being trapped inside Enkidu is stopping him from performing that out. Um, I think what scares is going to, if he was, if he was to somehow get out, he'd leave with that knowledge of how he got out because yeah, I'd like to get everyone else out. That'd be nice. And also he's going to run off in the world and do God knows what with whatever he knows. So yeah. So it's just, you know, that he has a grand plan. He has an agenda yeah and it's not good I mean I don't think he'd come out I mean he could come out and like kill Enkidu for good measure like ah I'm, I'm done with you I'm out but if he were to get out and Enkidu just wake up one day realise he's gone that would be frightening like where, where is he gone what is he done ah uh, interesting so like it's oh, like wow, a kind of yeah. thing of where like if you don't hear him for a really long time you start to get worried I would. 100% I would. It's like the person you want to keep in your peripherals. At all times. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's actually terrifying because, you know, I, I've, I've often thought about, like, you know, the body snatching dynamic, which is, you know, where Alcibiades potentially taking control of, of your body, of Enkidu's mm. body and being able to 
you know, pilot him in whatever way that he wants. And then, you know, Enkidu is forced back into the mind. I've never thought about it from the perspective of Alcibiades being able to get out and the rest of them being stuck in. That is... Yeah. That is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting and frightening. Like, piloting his body is one thing. Because I'd like to think that there'd be some chance that there are four other people inside that would stop him. But if he was to somehow get out... Like how 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 is that even possible? That's the that's another mystery about himself that he doesn't know, and that's frightening and concerning for not just himself, for everyone around. Oh, you better get Erida looking into it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> start reaching out sure. for information. <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> okay, uh, let's have a question for Chris. Uh, this one is from Lego, uh, who has asked. With Gaius' backstory reveal, was it deliberately based on Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, or was that just a coincidence? Ha ha ha. Yes, <laughs> Lego. That is brilliant. You know what? No, it wasn't, but I think that's far more fabulous. My goodness <laughs> me. Oh my gosh, I'm already thinking of the, like, the musical parody of this. Why have we not <laughs> thought about this before? No, it's from a far, like more serious um looking back which is that like i originally you know when when we were looking at this podcast you know we all came from like an acting background and we all came from like you know a love of shakespeare and stuff and i was like oh i want i want like this character to have like a really interesting backstory because he's really lively and jokey but i want him to have a you know a twisted backstory of why he's in this certain circumstance and i love julius caesar it's one of my favorite plays ever so you know gaius julius caesar is the full name which is the reason why i called him guy and I was just like, okay, so like, you know, let's talk a bit about that, like backstabbing aspect and, um, you know, how that affects somebody. But um, you know what? I'm I'm all for scrapping that idea and just being like, <laughs> guys, his brothers didn't care what they thought. Oh, so good. Yeah. No. Uh, so the answer is no, but that's canon now because that's far more fabulous. <laughs> canon. <Love it. laughs> Solidify. Boom. Stamp. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, another one for Chris, then. Uh, let's move on. Karen has asked, uh, with Gaius now knowing his heritage from both sides, i.e. his mother's side and mm. his siblings, uh, being part of the Hex and his father's side, the Wingthrops, has it changed anything about how he sees himself? Uh, does he think of himself as breaking the mould, or is he worried that he may have some of the nastier traits from either side of the family? That's quite a big question. Go for it, Chris. It is a big question. Um, I think where Guy is at the moment is that he knows he comes from a background of, you know, his mother um, and family are like serious, like gangsters, like serious, like crime syndicate. Like they have mm. done some horrible things. Um, he's not in, unaware of that. You know, uh, another thing was that I like, you know, I love the Godfather. So I thought, you know, oh, Italy, like Rome, like Godfather, oh, that sort of like idea of like family and how they can love one another and hug each other. And then all of a sudden, like behind like another room is a guy getting like choked to death. That idea I thought was really always fun. I think guys never, never not aware of like his heritage and like that, that twisted sort of like experience he's had with, with violence and family and love and so on. So I think, yeah, that, 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 that's in him. That's in any, anyone. Um, I think for the Wingthrops, it's it's just more just been like guy just sort of goes with the flow, you know. He doesn't really like, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't really care or or um see you know like genetic inherited like traits from himself uh, that that are in himself from his family. Like his mom, his family are not musical, and yet somehow he loves music. 
Like he doesn't know where that's come from. But he doesn't know much about his dad. And he didn't really care much about his dad. He was just that was just like one of these guys that my mum had a good time with and my mum was <laughs> awesome. She was having good times with lots of people. You know, yeah, I think I think guy didn't really care that much. And it was more just like a oh my dad was like someone, but my mum was way cool. And then now it's kind of like a tie to the land. Like yeah. Duvain, he didn't re- um he didn't really think much of it. It was like, okay, I'm in this like weird, interesting like other country that I've heard of briefly, I've read about, and now it's like, oh, okay, so like I have someone who is from here or at least travelled around here. So he's it's less so much about like what he's like looking back on. It's now looking like forward and being like, oh, okay, so like let's start exploring my dad's side, maybe. I like that. Like, mm. is that because I mean, you've talked before about you know, Gaius's mum like loving his music and you know kind of being like oh yeah pursue that do you think that's that's a part of it of like he can decide who he wants to be he doesn't have to follow the line of the family and maybe that works for both then is that, sorry i feel like i'm paraphrasing what you no, just that's said fine. But... no that's absolutely fine like guy guy doesn't have a plan right <laughs> yeah that, that, that's apparent <laughs> wow that just, sum, that, just sum, that just sums up never would have guessed guy just doesn't guy just doesn't have a plan guys like he's not like uh i i started at A, so I'll get to Z. He's just like, doot-de-doo. I mean, that, that is so clear <laughs> when you go... with a, with a loop. Yeah, Doo-de-doo. you go and do something, and then you come back, and you haven't already thought of an excuse as to why you've done that thing. You always make... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes absolutely sense. Um, okay, uh, time for another question. Uh, this is from you both, from Kimmy Wise, uh, who has asked, what advice would you give someone completely new to D&D? Uh, when creating their character. So, completely fresh. How would you approach it? Uh, we just heard from Chris, so Daryl, jump in here. Okay. Um, create the kind of character you're interested in. Mm. Um, you know, um, think about... I, I like to think about it from a writing perspective. Obviously, David, don't kill me. Um, <laughs> just create the kind of thing you're interested in, in consuming, watching, playing, reading, and then do that, and then envision give yourself to that yeah that's it yeah I'd, I'd echo that as well actually which is just that you know if you feel like you're like you know oh i don't know what to create there's so many options and things just think about like just start off with like something familiar think about like a, a character that you love from a book or a film and just base it on that maybe add like a you know a dash of you know this character and dash of that character and put them together and see what happens and after a while when you get settled into that character you might realize like oh actually I want to try this thing or, oh, I really like this part of my character. So I'm going to like dive deeper into that. So yeah, I'd, I'd echo just what Daryl's saying, which is like, you know, use what you know mm. to find out what you don't know. Yeah. Would you say that, that so, you know, come up with the character concept before you look at things like mechanics? If you just start on D&D, don't think about it too hard. Mm. Where, um, you know? Just out of interest, where... Like, wh- where did you kind of look when you were first starting to play D&D, when you were, you know, kind of designing your character and stuff so that you, you didn't find that boggling? Did you work with somebody to do it? Or did you kind of, like, find a source online that you were able to let me like, okay, this works for me? I think my friend um, sent me the player's handbook, uh, a copy of it or something like that, and I just had a look on there. I was like, oh, Rogue, that looks cool. Or, oh, cool, um, this subclass looks awesome. Like, we're starting at this. That's the ideal. Okay, why is he like that? So I guess class first would be my thing. But mm. you know, these day and age, this day and age, you know, it's it's interesting how many people go at it from different perspectives. But again, I would just say, you know, start off with something simple and just build on that. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. It's what I did. And then later you look at the book and you're like, ooh, actually, I could do so much more damage if I choose this character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I've, I, actually, this, this kind of leads on as well, because uh, Lego has asked you both, how did you get into acting? Which is kind of a similar thing. You thought about like what character you might want to play. Is that the way that you got into acting? Like you thought, oh, I want to do this meaty role? Or was it just you, you saw somebody on stage? Or how did you get into acting, Daryl? Um, video games. Video games. Interesting. What you wanted to be Honestly, in a video game, or <laughs> I was, I was kind of like so. Singing lights. My brother. Um, uh, when we was young, um, had a lot of time to ourselves. Uh, Final Fantasy Nine came out when I was like eleven, and I'd we'd read the the dialogue of the scenes together, mm. and the opening of that game is that you're a bunch of thieves putting on a play in a castle to kidnap the princess right, backstage. Yeah. It was like blew my mind. Blew my mind. And I wanted to do that. I'm like, that's cool. That's a cool living. They they literally travel the world performing plays. Yeah, they're thieves, but they see the world and perform stuff. And then not long after that, I got to give it a go. GCC drama. And it just just stuck. Mm. Yeah, it just kind of just the story was there first, and then getting to live in that story. Yeah, here we are, 20 years later. So uh, I think I've got down to my mom and my dad to thank, because I didn't have much to do at the weekend when I was a little kid. You know, I was like messing around, maybe getting into a bit of trouble or whatever. And then my parents were like, right, we're getting you to do something on the Saturday. So they like kicked me into a uh, amateur dramatics and was just like, he's loud. He'll have a go with this. <laughs> so um, that's how it started. And then like, I just sort of stayed. And then, you know, it was one of those things where like it was one of those things where like people told you like, oh, you're you're quite good at this. Or you, you really throw yourself into this when you realize, oh, like, actually, I have been. And actually, I've been doing this for, like, nearly, like, a couple of months, a couple of years. And then sort of one thing comes to another, and then you suddenly realize how much you enjoy that community Mm. of people who, you know, love the same thing as you. And I just love, like, theater companies. I love, like, I'm not, I don't just love acting. I love, like, you know, the costumes, the production, the sets. Like, I have not just been an actor. Like, I've built sets. I have been, like, stage managers. I've, like, had my dab at lighting and stuff like that. And I just love all of that. And I love a community that's built behind, like, a purpose. Okay. Uh, Moving on. Uh, So this next question from Michael Cook. If you could change one moment from the podcast, would you? And what would it be? Yeah, I would make sure that I I count my gold properly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh what a moment though that's one of the Iconic. best moments ever to this day I really hate it when people bring it up and I'm just like yeah okay okay can we move on please <laughs> I thought I was coming up with like an ex mark in a moment like don't worry guys I got this and then just <laughs> It was the hand clenching and the build up. Oh god! This, I mean, the th- talk about throwing yourself on a sword you need not do. No, yeah, absolutely. Just, Jeez, that was so good. What about you, Daryl? Probably karate chopping an old lady. Yeah. I, oh I, my I, god! I had a feeling that was coming out. So <laughs> not knowing how level two actually works, like <laughs> when she's actually like she's like twice her age and probably. 
one point stronger than you. <laughs> so, this is the thing, is the fact that she just like took it on the chin and carried on. Like, it was, oh yeah, yeah I just punch her in the face. That'll do it. It's like, no, mate. <laughs> it's not like a movie punch and they magically just go to sleep after a punch. Like, oh my God. It's, it's like a video game. You try to phase it out. Like you hit the NPC and suddenly you're like, oh, never mind me. I'm just going to go to the other room. And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. She remembers that. We all saw this. <laughs> and then the apocalypse happened. It was awful and then then he he just spiraled and then actually the other moment is like when he tried to act crazy to get out of it as well that was awful (laughs) that was so good best episode ever (laughs) it's just disaster absolute disaster i mean so lego is in the chat right now and and has just asked well still wants to know anyway if 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 junior and guy hadn't wouldn't have died in that episode if if that hadn't happened and I kind of wonder, I know, I know Davis kind of talked about this in the past, about, you know, how he made it harder and everything, but that punch may have been pivotal to what actually happened and then stopping the punch. Like, it, maybe it would have been much, much worse if they hadn't been seeing the events of the next day and it had all happened in situ. So in a way, then, there was you kind also... of did get to take it back. Yeah, I did get to take it back. But also, it wasn't just like oh, the ripple effect of this thing. Yes, this thing kind of informed them to change the password. We got locked out of the bunker, but we also could have just left the town. <laughs> we, yeah. We like, could have just like, like, man, we just assaulted the rulers of this town. We, we should just leave. Nope. <laughs> we snuck back in when they had their guard up. Uh, so we're all proper geniuses. Oh, and Kiryu's a dumbass for trying that shit. But, <laughs> but we still chose to go back there. Yeah, it's just like, you know, Captain Hindsight is like the greatest and worst superhero ever. Mm, um, yeah. But when you're in the game and when you don't have all the clues because you haven't mm. either asked the right questions, haven't gone anywhere, you're acting on your best instincts. That best instinct is sometimes shared with the party and not shared with the party. But we <laughs> yeah. fi- you find out in the moment, don't you? Yep. <laughs> I love the way that you've both chosen like embarrassing character moments though other than like you know pivotal story moments because because for me i thought one of you was going to talk about rostal gonna be honest uh that 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 was going to be like a big regret or you know taking the advancement test or something like that but no it's the punch to the face (laughs) no because oh yeah because that was embarrassing (laughs) yeah i think i think like those like the rostal moments or even like you know the enkidu like death and stuff like the great thing about this game is that you know there are costs you know Mm, yeah like this yeah. game that like there would be no consequence if there wasn't cost and i think you know when it's like the big things like that of course like you uh grieve about them you grieve for them but at the same time that you're well you're you're you you appreciate them and you make them you understand why they're there i think it's just the little things when you're just like oh that was a wrong choice or oh that was stupid mm. they're the bits that you actually end up regretting and not the not the fact that enkidu no longer has a body yeah <laughs> No, man, it's cooler. The story is way better for it as well. Not that the story wasn't brilliant already, but now it's just like, like the light is refracting everywhere. It's like even more like complicated and brilliant. Oh, yeah. Well, despite ribbing you for it, I actually agree with the moments that you've chosen. I think, I think you've done well there. Uh, <laughs> great question there. Okay, time for a question. Oh, this one's from me. I know this one, <laughs> but I'm still going to read it out and make it sound uh, clunky. Uh, it's for Daryl. Uh, what was your initial thought process as a player when that corridor filled with magical energy. Death. Definitely, you'd already started rolling another character. I mean, like, I thought, that's it. Um, I mean, it fills up with energy. I'm like, I have no abilities to counteract a room filling with magical lightning. 
cool, I'm going to try and escape. Actually, the first thing I thought was, I can just thunder step out of there. Yeah, and David was yeah. like, doesn't work. I'm like, well, you want me to die. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm dead. So how, how, um, how sure yeah. were you that it, that it was death, though? Because was, was there not even something in your mind going like, oh, it, it, you know, oh, it could be. He wouldn't do this to me kind of thing. No, I, knew, I 100% knew he'd do that. I mean, he joked. Funny, you might not remember, but he, um, Chris, but he, he joked about it at the start of the recording. Who? He joked about it. He goes, well, got to kill one of you now. <laughs> Did it? No. Just like that. And everyone was like, ah, and he, lo and behold. <laughs> he does love a foreshadow. He does love he a foreshadow, that man. He doesn't foreshadow it in the episode, because of course, in the glory of editing, we edit no, he's that very shit sneaky out, about he, it. He, he fully <laughs> joked about, got to kill one of you now. And then, it didn't, and it didn't matter which one. That's why whenever, like, David makes a joke, we're always like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I don't know how far we can take this. <laughs> <laughs> in life as well which is like ah, exactly yeah. what, what's he, what, what, what secret message is he trying to send with this <laughs> with his face yeah. work as well we've all seen the David DM face where he's he, he just says okay but that okay means so much more oh that okay uh, but yeah did, did you feel did you feel targeted in that moment it's like wow you've just killed me off or what, yeah I, I kind of other than no. death, what was going through your mind at that point no, I didn't. I didn't. I, j- I knew it would have happened to any one of us because we were trying to like the characters were meta gaming the shit out of that. Yeah, <laughs> they were. <laughs> There's no one was answering those questions honestly. <laughs> we were like, let's just survive this because, and we all put it to like a soft vote. Like, are we doing this? Yeah, we're doing this. Like the moment between Gwendolyn and Nikita, like, look, we, we we all chose to be here and we know what the risks are. We're going. And and then, of course, the consequence is that, like, one or all of them could die there. Mm. Yeah. It, it just, as disagreeable as it was to die, like, it still felt the natural consequence. It, it didn't feel out of place for that happen, for that to happen. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think I would have still been on that, like, nah. Nah, mate. Nah, he's not killed me. This is a, this mm-hmm. is a podcast. I'm a, I'm a loved character for many many people. Like he would he would just kill off the character like that. I love that he was just like, I'm, oh cool, I'm dead. Cool, move on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of moving on, I have another question. This one for Chris. Uh, so Chris, Gaius, uh, you know, has been known to tell the odd lie. Uh, so in his words, this is to protect people from a dangerous truth. Mm. Is this genuinely to protect the group or is it more often to protect himself from any judgment? Um, my, my point that I'm making here is like with the gold sheets and taking them and not really telling anyone about that. And you just yeah. chucked lies in there, left, right and center. Yeah. So how, how much of it is, and, and also does guys know the difference between what? Between, oh, between protecting between... them and protecting himself. I think he uses the truth and, lies um in many different ways many many different ways you know it's you know it's a way of you know entertaining it's a way of intriguing it's a way of deflecting it's a way of defending words are weapons at the end of the day it all depends on how you use them so i think for me with guy his use of the deception just sort of comes in the moment of like okay so what do i want to get out of this um Mm. is it to protect my friends yes is there a moment where he can um, gain the upper hand? Yes. Is there, you know, a possible, like, guilty feeling of, like, you know, stealing from someone who's, like, given them a home for the night, but also they're a Winthrop <laughs> and I don't owe them anything. And then you're just like, now i got some gold and now I want some shiny shoes. And that's how I play it. 
so that's uh, yeah. So I think it's like it's it's a range of things. He he uses it for lots of different things. It's like his Swiss Army knife. Do you, do you think he worries that it's all going to come catching up on him anytime soon? Guy doesn't think that far ahead. <laughs> right, he doesn't have a plan. Of course, of course. Amazing. All right, okay. Uh, Daryl, uh, another question here from Lego. Uh, so, oh, sorry, I've just read all of this. This is great. Which group would Enkidu choose if forced? Gil and Co versus the party? And has that changed since Erida? Oh my God, Lego, what a question. Daryl? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why are you like this? <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> What's worse is that I know what the answer is. <laughs> there is an answer to that. Um, he, he'd, choose, he'd choose Gil and his friends. He would. The party have been wonderful. And they've changed him forever. You know, he, he got to open up to new people which he hasn't done in a long time. He's been so insular for so long. But that's been his driving motivation, getting them out. But also seeing, being with the party has shown him the world, which he hasn't seen. But in terms of like future goals, I think if there is a scenario that created that, it would be like, are our goals in alignment? Like, are, are we going here? What's our goal as a group? I mean, so far it's been like, as as the five, like... You know, we're we're figuring stuff out where we're we're surviving, we're getting through. We don't know anything. We're trying to find someone, get information, then we can figure out what we want to do. Whereas the with his friends inside, it's like it's always been get them out, get Gilgamesh on the throne. We can sort maybe fix fix this country now that we've seen more of it. We've seen more secrets. But yeah, I can't imagine. I can imagine what scenario will make him choose that, but if and how that was to come to pass is another thing, which I, Daryl, and also Enkidu have no real say in, at least not in the moment. Okay, I've got a little question to tag on. I can't believe I had to answer that. I mean, Pete, it, like, you answered it well. That was very... Yeah. I'm glad you went honest as well. I should have just said, no, you don't answer it. <laughs> then I'm like, nah, dude, give the patrons what they want. We should have called ourselves the Rebound Crew. <laughs> Because that's all we are, everybody. <laughs> but that dirty, just like self gratification. <laughs> oh no! Rebound. Oh, that's awful. I do, I do wonder though. Like, there's a little question tagged onto that, loosely about if Enkidu worked out a way of like taking consciousnesses out of himself, mm-hmm. and he was able to put one in each of his party friends. <gasps> Do you think oh he would? God. No, that's awful. That is like dark. <laughs> that is dark awful. Just time you choose them over your friends. Oh my gosh. Right. I would have killed the party to get his friends Not back. Not necessarily killed. Just the, the recessive mind in there. No, that's awful. <laughs> There's some evil Voldemort stuff going on I there. I mean, is. I've been DMing for too long. You've got to think about these. Oh I've seen too many plots with that where the bad guy's like, I'm so misunderstood. I've lost everyone I loved and I will replace you with them. No, 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 no. It's awful. It's all, the, that way madness lies. Well, at least no you realise you're the bad guy now, sir. So, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, let's move on to another question <laughs> for Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Tiama has asked you, with the idea of travelling as a tour theatre company, has this sparked something in Guy uh, and make that new goal for him when his adventuring days are over? 
would you consider persuading the party to join in a production on your travels to make a bit of gold? I like that. This is this is a much happier question than, than the last one. Yeah, good, good shout. <laughs> yeah, like that. Like I think he'd love the idea. He'd love to, like to give it a try. Like Gwendolyn has a musical like um, toe, and like Orin is very good at like fixing and creating so you can imagine all these amazing sets and things doesn't know how juna and akuda are going to fall into this but you know juna might be that like little lady at the uh the front office at the front bot just you know, getting out the tickets and things there yeah, i don't know i don't know i think um i think guys just said it on the on the on the off like oh maybe we could do this guys and it'll be really really fun and you could do this and you could do this and but i think i, I think he can clearly see that um it might not it very much likely won't come to pass that they they become a theatre group. I think he just liked to fantasise about the idea. But um, okay, I've got a question for you then, Daryl. So if we were to become the theatre group, okay, what kind of plays would we do? Oh, I'm talking. Are we talking like tragedy, comedy? Uh, are we talking like social satire? Like what's like? Give me <laughs> give me like a genre here. Like what sort of plays would we do if we were on the road in Kido and the gang? Oh, I don't even know if it would even do plays. And like, think about Enkidu's interest. Like, he some kind of like um, ballad or like poem with music would be mm. something that he'd he himself would be interested in. But as a play, I don't know. I think what well, I think like the a, group a would choose something sort of fun and funny, and Enkidu would be like, uh, I I don't know if I can do this. And someone would have to like really pull all his fingers to make him do it. He'd be like the straight person in a um in like a comedy, you know what I mean? Like he's the mm, one yeah. we're playing off of, and he's like, okay, um, sure, interesting, yeah. interesting. Think, okay, okay. I've, I just got a great reference. Have you anyone played The Witcher Three? Yes, yes. There's a great moment where Geralt is in a play. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. yes, yes. <laughs> that's just what I'm thinking. The driest of. delivery and all the gesticulations. That's in Kidu. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> that is him. One other thing, which is that, what instrument would he play? In the oh, band, um, what instrument do you think all the characters would play in a band? I think Gwendolyn would play some kind of um, piccolo or flute. Orin would have some kind of, some kind of, I don't know, some kind of um, pipe or dr- some kind of drumming, kind of percussion, some kind of percussion, small like. explosive things going off. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. <laughs> With some kind of pots or something like, yeah. s- 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 even like steel drums or anything, like turn Aggie into a, like a steel drum. Um, <laughs> like the wings are symbols or something. Um, oh, and Kedu. Um, I think he'd have something really solemn, like some kind of like, like a bass. Some kind of cello or a harp. Yeah, yeah or a bass. Yeah, yeah. Gwen would play the hurdy gurdy surely (laughs) (laughs) with tears streaming down her eyes as she did it gosh once again we're the rebound crew jeez it's like coming to fruition here I feel like Enkidu would have like six different instruments but he doesn't know which one it's going to be he just has Uh, to summon one before they start excellent Mm. yes that'd be cool he tried that didn't work (laughs) (laughs) tried that with the flute if you remember Try to form a pact with it to to make it shut up. It didn't work. Oh yeah, the rebound crew. <laughs> you said it. I didn't say that. And what would you said what it. would Juna be on? Oh, Juna. Juna would be on something. No, no, no. I just thought no. That's Vicky, not Juna. <laughs> I was like something loud. No, no. That's that's just this is Vicky. Um, Can you imagine Gnome with a tuba? A tuba. Some kind oh of. Yeah, I think maybe it's because Juna's theme. Some kind of small. I don't know. Small. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Because of the little theme that she's got. But, <laughs> maracas! <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Uh, Aqua genius. Yes. Yeah, I can see with some kind of like pan flute as well. Something like that. Tuna with maracas. <laughs> That's 100% accurate. That's brilliant. Excellent. I can imagine like a grand orchestra and then June is like coming in there on a Sunday just be like, I'm joining in here. I've got this instrument. I've been practicing at home. Have you now, Juno? Really? What's the instrument? Let me get out of its case. Okay, it's going to be impressive. It's these maracas. Okay. (laughs) Yep, that's it. That's that's it. That's the scene. Okay, now that we've established that, uh, another question, anyone? Uh, Kit has asked you both um, has there been anything that surprised you about your characters as you've played them Uh, like decisions you made in the moment or reactions to various events or even the ways they've changed as people Uh, go on Chris what what things have surprised you uh, character moments for you it's really made me realise what a type of player I am which is that to be a deceptive person you have to really think ahead whereas I think in the moment and I'm very impatient as a player so Guy, you know, as a as a as a liar, you know, I think Guy is a better liar than Chris is, um, and um, <clears throat> it just made me really realise like how I just want to do I just want to do something just to just to stir the pot or just something to happen. So I think that's what surprised me about Guy the most. Sorry, I've just I've just I've I've been a little bit distracted by what David's just put in the group, which is yeah. He's he's just summed up everyone's instruments from the go mind of the DM in the hit scoring wise when he puts the music in afterwards. And Kido is brass, so you would be somewhere in that category. Six instruments in the brass element. Guy is his lute, dulcimer. Uh, Juna is his woodwind. Gwen is uh, strings, and Orin is his strings. Uh, and he's just put in the word pizzicato. Am I pronouncing that right? I have no idea. Yeah, because it sounded like you said piss strings. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody's now putting in piss strings. There you go. Get your mind out of the gutter, people. Amazing. Sorry. Uh, back to Kit's question, though, <laughs> uh, which was answered beautifully by Chris, even though uh, I, was, I was looking at, at David's response at the same time. But, um, Daryl, same to you. Uh, has there been anything that surprised you um, or your oh, character yeah. as, you, as you've gone along? I mean, w- wanted to defend them. Uh, the group rather than thinking how can I engineer things so I can get them to do what I want without controlling them he doesn't want he's never sought to control them but he's like what I've got to do is of the utmost importance y'all gotta go with me like how assimilating himself with the group and aligning their needs with his do you know what I mean like being a part of the group opening up that's a surprise Daryl knows eventually like that would happen because how does the show work? <laughs> so, uh, but um, like that, it happened as organically as it did is the surprise. Mm. Okay, right. Uh, I think we have time for let, let's rattle through a few questions. Uh, so for both of you, uh, this is from Baby David, uh, who was asked, "What could each of your characters learn from each other?" Ooh. So, Chris, what could you learn? What could guys learn from Enkidu? To think before he speaks. Ah. Uh-huh. And vice versa? They're quite opposite in terms mm. of like, yeah, they're very, they're very opposite in terms of like that, that manner. Because Nkidu is very careful about what he says before he says anything at all. More like reinforcing like how much, how much weight does the truth have and how does it affect everyone around you? Mm. And I think especially recently, like that, that, that has come to play for the group. So yeah, the value of the truth. Interesting. Okay, another question from both of you here from Karen. Uh, to keep with the habit of at least one silly question from me, 
if <laughs> if Enkidu is now the Terminator, who is the most likely candidate of the party to be Sarah Connor? Oren. He's got the know-how to take him apart. Even though, like, Enkidu said, I don't think I'm like that. With, like, nuts and bolts and shit. But, like, <laughs> Oren would still try. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I like that. So it's yeah. it's more like the Terminator knows that this person can stop them in this situation. Yeah. So would would stop Orin, who is mm. the one that you think could like be the thing that that takes down all Terminators in the future? Is it is it still Orin? It's, it's a guy who can make a kettle out of a duck. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's a goose. <laughs> it's goose. Just a, goose. It, Sorry. A mechanical goose. Oh god, I'm really worried when Enkidu does turn. Orin, run. run. Just run. Oh well. I'm backed up. <laughs> There's no end. Um, okay, final question for Daryl then. Uh, this is from Vicky, who has asked you, uh, what is Enkidu's problem with Juna's cooking? <laughs> Very simple answer to that. It sucks. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, he went there. It just, it just does. I mean, what did we eat in our first night in the road? Worms. It's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> should never live that down. Top I class. Can't. Like it's worms. Like he's he's used to being like from royal palace to soldier. Yeah, I used to roughen it, but like drawing the line at worms. Like I can't, I can't. Oh. <laughs> and now he doesn't have to eat. Yeah, so I was going to say <laughs> blessing in disguise. Excellent. Wow, just bad. He loves he loves Juno with all his heart, you know. But like, <laughs> cannot eat her cooking. Just just can't. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Vicky. I can't wait for her to hear this. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't wait for like the no small questions mudslinging at one point. I can imagine Vicky like, oh, Enkidu, edgy story. Oh, look at me, too edgy to be part of the group. Oh, 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 hoo, hoo. Yeah, that's 100% what would happen. <laughs> Do you know, I've never seen Enkidu try and cook, though, so... Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, somebody's Pretty already put it. shots fired in here. <laughs> oh, on that night, guys, uh, I think it's probably time to wrap up this episode of No Small Questions. Oh. Uh, I have been your question master, Sam Oaks. Thank you so much to Daryl, and thank you to Chris. Uh, I hope you feel suitably grilled. You did really well. Mm. There were some big questions in there. It's such fun questions. Thank you, everyone, so much. It was really fun. Oh, and seeing right. some of their faces in the chat as well, and, yeah. you know, as these questions were asked and the responses has been great. Oh, there's nothing left to say, guys, except... Hello, Abraka lads. Ben here, popping in to say thank you to Chris and Daryl and to Superfan Sam for making sure we got more than an Erida-esque refusal to all those questions. And a huge thank you to everyone who sent in questions. There were some fantastic conversation starters. Oh, and if you want to keep that conversation going, then the best place to do that is on our Discord. If you're new to Discord, uh, like I was just a few months ago, all you need to do is click the link in our show notes and you'll be guided through the next steps to join our happy little community. It was so lovely to see so many faces, old and new, joining us live for this recording of No Small Questions. And if you'd like to be part of the live recordings in the future, well, all you need to do is head on over to our Patreon 
where you can sign up for a whole breadbasket of benefits, including world-building polls, David's music, our behind-the-scenes chat, no small talks, so much more. Ooh, and uh, one more thing. If you were listening closely to the end of episode 47, you might have heard that we have a special guest joining us. And I am delighted to announce that Robbie Bellacom will be joining the Fate Mark V for the next couple of episodes. Now, Robbie might already be a familiar voice to some of you from our fellow D&D podcast, Flintlocks and Fireballs, where they play Scamp. But in case you've not discovered Flintlocks and Fireballs, well, you've been missing out on some swashbuckling pirateer adventures muskets, sea shanties, so much more, and uh, also some brilliant one-shots, including a recent visit to Candlekeep Library to investigate a haunting bedtime rhyme, which was DM'd by Robbie. You can find out more at flintlocksandfireballs.com. Ooh, and you can also listen to a little trailer for the show in just a few seconds' time. Right, We'll be back next weekend with episode 48. Uh, Meanwhile, I'm off to put together my Sarah Connor cosplay. And on for now. So gather your muskets, gather your spears, we'll plunder the shores of Calcineer. Come all ye sailors and scallywags, and join the crew of Flintlocks and Fireballs, a D&D podcast following a band of privateers sailing the seas of Napoleonic Calcinia. Catch us at flintlocksandfireballs.com every Tuesday at 7pm GMT, or on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, and more. You can also follow us on Facebook at Flintlocks and Fireballs or Twitter on at Flintlocks DND. Fair seas and natural twenties. No cracking storm or spell we fear, so come and sail with us, my dear. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance. Insurance company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.